Hang on a second. Before we do the, the, the regular intro, I get, I get this great idea. We should do, I think we should do some banter first. Banter. Ban- yeah. No, l- trust me. I listen to the NPR podcast every day and like once or twice a week they put some banter in before like and, and it's like oh oh well, we're just doing sound checks you know it's whatever but the producer captures it and then they put it on and it's, and it's like you know just to show even though these we're are real you know, people yeah we're regular we're regular we guys regular you know things. yeah and we we banter about you know what, stuff what like we did in the weekend or yeah or i could really use another cup of coffee or you know that kind of stuff you know that it's nighttime of, yeah i could use another okay. cup of coffee all right so let's get let's just Okay, banter. right, three, two, one, banter. banter. Boy, I, I could I like, really, uh, I could really use another cup of coffee. Do you what, take cream with your what? coffee? Uh, yes, I do. Maybe, uh, maybe then I wouldn't be so constipated. Oh, <laughs> wait, oh no, we're not wait. doing an ad no, right now. No, no, regular people, regular, regular people. people. Supposed to be yeah. regular people, not regular. Okay, now it's too much pressure. I don't okay, like it. Okay, well, no, let's just like let's just do the regular intro. Okay, uh, do, you, you know, count it down. Three, two, one. Hi, and welcome to Screening Room with Chad and Dee. I'm Chad, and I'm Dee. I'm a boomer, and I'm a millennial, and we both love classic movies, and we think you're gonna like them too if you give them a shot. Which is where we come in. We're here to talk about those old movies. We'll tell you a little bit about why we like them and how they were made, and we'll also talk about what those movies can teach us about history, about people, and maybe even about the meaning of life. Good movies try to do that, and that's why we want you to watch them. Yeah. I think that's better. But yeah. I don't know, maybe no. The banter is better. The banter is better. Well, we'll do better ban we'll we'll, do better we'll get better better bantering at uh, we'll, later we'll dates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe if we have Steven Skeep on or Yeah. 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 Or when we're on their show. <laughs> that's right. Okay, so what are we talking about this week? We're talking about two movies. Two movies? But not like separate genres. It's like two not, movies. It's a, how, it's a how buy do we one, talk get about two free. movies at the same so time? It's a buy one, get one free. We're, we're thrifty people. Well, you mean our listeners are going to get to hear us talk about two different movies, and but they they're only going to pay for one? Yeah, they might be oh like, okay, so it takes them, they do maybe two movies a year. I feel like I'm getting ripped, ripped off, off here. Because we're getting, yeah. yeah. You're getting me to talk about two movies, but you're only going to pay me for one podcast? That really doesn't seem fair. Well, it's not written in your contract otherwise. Oh, Damn, it's not in the contract? It's not in the contract. We should add a clause. Thank yeah. goodness that we're not a SAG-AFTRA yeah. podcast. That's, that's, that's true. That's so true. You know... We're gonna, you're going to learn about what... See, this, this is some banter-ish. The, yeah, and this strikes me learn, as really ironic, too. Yeah, you why know, is it ironic? Now that you mention it, now that you mention it, I hadn't thought about word, this right? before. Yeah. I hadn't thought about this before, but the movies that we're talking about, and I don't know, maybe you knew this beforehand. Maybe that's why you know. said that. I don't know if this is I why you were going why. in that direction. I was just but trying to be like the improvising movies, and The movies we're bantering. talking about this week, the two movies are The Seven Musketeers. <laughs> yeah, that's actually... Yeah? The Seven the, Musketeers. The Seven Musketeers? Isn't that what... Oh, wait, no... No, I'm sorry. No. It's not the Seven Musketeers. We're talking about the Three Musketeers. But what about the? Well, I guess the Return of the Musketeers didn't have a number in it. No, it didn't. Uh, we, we're talking. We're only going to talk about the Three and the Four Musketeers. We're not going to talk about the but, Return of the Musketeers. But what about all of the different other Musk Three Musketeer movies? There. Are, no, we're not going to talk about them. Well, I mean, we might mention them in passing. Okay, but we're we're here specifically to talk about the Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers, both directed by Richard Lester, and both came out in the mid seventies, nineteen seventy four, 
73 and 75, right? Correct. Okay. So they were they came out two years apart, but they shot them at the same time. And actually, if you th- 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 these movies are the most faithful adaptation of the classic novel by Alexander Dumas. Okay, it's the whole story. And when and they wrote the script, they shot the whole thing, and they tell the whole story beginning to end. But they decided partway through that they were going to break it into two movies and then well, they ended the first one well no they had so much for two for well there's claiming that uh richard lester was like during the editing process he was like oh there's just too much film here too much too much and good Faye stuff is like mm, this is a little sketchy so it's kind of mm-hmm, hard to know mm-hmm. yeah what yeah, believe, different accounts. But, was it the producer? Was it the director? When did they tell people? Yeah. Well, the but, cast found out at the premiere, at yeah. the credits, that they had gotten gypped. Yeah. So they took a court. One, didn't get paid as much as they yeah. would have for two mm-hmm. movies, but mm-hmm. now the SAG after has put it into clauses. It's a, there's a clause in the contract. Clause in the contract. Yeah. How many movies you are you shooting here? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they. That's right. Praised. Yeah. But we're going to talk about both movies because they were shot as one movie. It's it really this is not a movie and a sequel. This is a whole movie that just got divided into. They found a nice little climax halfway through the story uh, and ended the Three Musketeers there, and then they just waited a couple of years, raked in all the money from the first uh, version of the movie, and then they released the Four Musketeers, which yeah, just tells the It was like an international second, success. It was an international sensation. Sensation, yes. I believe. I don't re- shot really... Shot in Spain. Shot right? in Spain, Lots yes. Lots of, like, hundred, like, over 50 sets. Oh, yeah. I mean, this Shot is... beautiful castle. This is beautiful, beautiful stuff. The, oh, uh, it's on, on location. Much of it outside. The stuff that's inside is in palaces and castles and all that kind of stuff. The costumes are fantastic, stupendous. Um, the, the the action is incredible. The comedy is... is Slapsticky? Comic-y. Yeah, hey, it's, yeah. it's, no, it's funny. This is... This is Okay, and let's let's be honest with the listeners. I had to twist your arm to get you to do these movies. You did. Yeah. It took us a while to watch you didn't, them. Yeah. Th- these are two of my favorite movies of all time. Okay. This is, these are way 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 up at the top of the list. And you watched them and you were kind of yeah. I mean, I like you know, them. Yeah, the, but you had a visually. personal prejudice. You had a personal prejudice against one member of the cast. And you want to come clean on, on who that was? Charlton what? Heston. No, it was not Charlton Heston. Yeah. Quite the contrary. You will get the answer from my cold, dead hands. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. No, there was another cast member that you had a thing against, or maybe it was two things against. <laughs> well, that gives it away. Well, yes, it does. Who, t- go, go ahead. Who, who, who is it you don't like in this movie? Raquel Welch. Yeah, it's Raquel Welch. Don't what, like her. I don't know what Raquel Welch ever did to you, but you she saw the movie. She was born better endowed than I was. Yeah. Well, so look, I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you right here thing. and right now, okay? Raquel Welch, I swear. God to rest you. her soul. Yeah, she just died a, a year or two ago. Um, she's not the reason I like this movie so much. And and mm-hmm. actually, no, no, no. Here, I am a baby boomer, listeners. If you haven't caught on to that by now, I am a baby boomer. Okay. And Raquel Welch actually started making movies when I was a toddler. However, I did discover Raquel Welch 
about the time I hit puberty, okay? So for a couple years there, Raquel Welch was kind of important to me, okay? I did discover not too far into that, though, that she was not a terribly gifted actor, okay? And so there are lots of pretty women in films that are a lot more exciting than Raquel Welch because they were a lot more talented than she was. Not that she was bad. She wasn't bad. No, she won a Golden Globe for the Three Musketeers. Yeah, the, the, this has got to be the best performance of her career because it's the only performance that ever got her any kind of award from anybody for anything. Okay? And she does a nice job in this. She does some comedy in this. It's a comic She movie. does do it. Uh, yeah, she does some. She's I see a klutz. Through a different lens now. She's this. She's she's sexy, but she is klutzy. She is klutzy and she is ditzy in this movie. And oh, and something really w- interesting is going to happen to her that you're not going to expect. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. true. Yeah, I forgot about it. Watching so, it the second um, time. Anyway, but she's not the reason I like this movie. She's actually a fairly minor role. I mean, this is talk about it's your a cast. Huge cast. Talk about your cast. Talk about your talented actors. Talk about your big names. Yeah, who are some of the big names in this in this film? Charlton Heston. Charlton Heston. Does a name get any bigger Faye than Dunaway. Charlton Heston? Faye Dunaway. Oh, wow, there's a big name. Michael York. Michael York. God, he was a big star. Richard Chamberlain. Richard Chamberlain. He's in this movie, Oliver too. Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed. You've got to be kidding me. He's in this movie, What's too. What's Finley's first name? Ben who? Finley. Finley? Uh, uh, Frank. Frank Finley. Frank Finley. Okay, Finley. you probably haven't heard of Frank Finley. He was more of a stage guy, but he was still gosh darn good. He was he was He's excellent in this movie. He was excellent. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, the, oh, who, the, the, the queen. Who's what, the, the, oh. the, the, the queen? What's her, um, what's her name? We know her Cha- father. Her father. Chaplin. Her father was Charlie Chaplin. And her name is, escapes us at the moment. Geraldine. Oh, Geraldine. Geraldine what? Chaplin. Chaplin. Hey, she plays that's Queen Anna. Anna. She's got the same name as her father too. That doesn't happen every day. Okay, I guess it does usually happen. But anyway, that's that's anyway big big. Oh, did we mention Christopher Lee? Oh my gosh, Christopher yeah, we didn't Lee. Mention Christopher Lee. Yeah, a relatively short name, but still a big name, metaphorically speaking. Okay, so yeah, this is. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a cast. This is a cast of casts. And, and, and as I said at the outset, this is one of the most famous stories of all time. Okay? This, this story was written... So you actually read the book? Yes, I did. A, a long time ago. Okay? I saw... I, I think the way it went is I saw the first movie. And uh, I, I was too young to see the first movie when it came out in theaters. Okay? Because this was a, you know, a PG movie and I was still just a grade schooler. So did you watch it in theaters or at home? I watched it at home. No, I just happened to catch what it. What channel did you watch it on? What channel did I watch it on? I don't. I think it was actually when I was in college. I was already in college by the time I watched this movie, it, which means maybe my parents finally had cable, and I probably saw it on a cable channel. There, I saw it. And I said, "Oh my god, this is the." This is fantastic. This is an incredible movie. This is like, I, I don't remember the last time I enjoyed a movie so much as, as this one. It was The Three Musketeers. And so I actually went out and I got the book. I said, I got to read this book. And I said, oh my God, this book is incredible. Uh, so I read the whole book. And then after I got back to college, then uh, we went to the local video stores. First, first, I had all my friends watch The Three Musketeers. And then we found a video store that had the four. Oh my God, there's a four Musketeers? So they finished What's the story. What's the video they actually store? Did. 
Uh, oh my god! I'm teasing. No, no, yeah. I'm teasing. Oh, there but, were blockbusters when I was. But around. this this wasn't even VHS. Okay, this was the video disc. They they yeah, had these discs. Yeah, no, they had these discs. This wasn't a DVD. a DVD. No, not a DVD. They had these video discs that were like almost the size of LP records. This was a very brief technology. Did not last a whole all that long but this is the way the movie came out for at least for us and so we watched this movie and rewatched this movie we memorized the dialogue it was a whole thing and like i said the, the story is great it's over 150 years old alexander dumas famous famous writer romantic area he wrote the count of monte cristo he mount, uh, wrote the the man in the iron mask he loved these kinds of 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 stories and and this film there, there have been lots and lots of adaptations of this story but this is the only one that really sticks to the book i mean it is almost plot point for plot point exactly what happens in the book but it's got all the adventure of the book and the romance but then richard lester the director he keeps all that in there, but then he adds all this comedy on top of it. I mean, there's a little bit of fun. I mean, it's 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 a it's a rollicking story when you read it, but he adds in all this comedy on top of it, and it's funny. It's actually funny. Um, so you've got all of this, and then we've got some social commentary that yeah, maybe we'll talk about as we get into it a little bit later. But it's just there are just layers and layers to these films. So trust me, it, yeah, and and you finally rewatched it, yes, and you decided, yes, you did it's like good. it, yeah, yes, yeah, it yeah. was good, yes. I um, I mean the costumes alone, the costumes, the costumes alone. alone, yeah, and yeah, when I'm looking past, because there was an article after Raquel Welch passed mm-hmm. that somebody for TCM wrote, for Turner yeah. Classic Movies mm-hmm. wrote, and then I was like, okay, you know, yeah. maybe she's yeah. more, there's maybe a little bit more to her. Maybe I was a little bit... Than meets the eye. Yeah, maybe, you know, I gotta look past some of my own Not a whole lot more than meets to, the eye, yeah, but, but, but a little bit more than meets the eye. She's, I mean, definitely not a bad person. No. I mean, and like I said, she... No, and her, yeah. She had a decent career, and and uh, like I said, she's good in this movie. She is That's good. It. Actually, she is good. I'll give her her, trops, mm-hmm. her props there. But, I don't, like, so, what what does this teach us about history? Oh, okay. Well, this is one of the really cool things. Like I said, R- Richard Le- Lester, he takes the story, but then it's it's like, you can just tell that part of what he did is like, I, I'm going to research his era. Um, and he looked at, at paintings. Literally, he looked at, at paintings look like from paintings. This, end, this era. This, yeah. It's some the of these. Cinematography is awesome. Yeah. The cinematography is fantastic. And you've got all these wide shots. Well, and because he, they had multiple cameras going. So yes. Didn't, so there weren't a whole lot of stand ins because they did had five different angles. So you had the. Yeah. The long shots and the close-ups. Oh, but when he did some kind of a crowd scene or whatever, I mean, it really does just look like some like a Renaissance era painting, uh, down to the breeds of the dogs in there. I mean, you talk about the costumes, uh, the games that they play when they're in the arc arcades the you've, you've got in in the three musketeers you got the one guy who's uh the, he, he talks about the religious war that's going on between the catholics and the protestants and you've got this one evangelical guy with the the smoking pot on his head and a diaper standing there and 
that's something you see that in a picture. If you read a history book about this era, it's like Richard Lester said, I want to get all that kind of stuff in there. Um, and so when you see, like I said, when you see a crowd scene, a lot of times you just, you could just freeze frame it and say, oh, there's a Renaissance painting. That's, it's exactly what's going on in that era. He was incredibly faithful to that. And at the same time, he makes fun of it. Uh, he, there are all these jokes in there about how ridiculous things were there. You've got people emptying uh, bedpans out the windows. You've got um, people uh, treating, you know, uh, wounds with these glass bubble things where they suck out the... I don't even know what they're doing there, but it's it's all the ridiculousness of the age and certainly the ridiculousness of the monarchy and how silly it is that these these he really makes the king look like this fop who has no interest in what's going on and really doesn't care and then, then the duke of buckingham is going to go to war and back the huguenots who are fighting against the church which is aligned with the crown but there's tension behind the scene it's like none of these people actually care about the people well the cardinal does yeah right uh uh, it's all about power it's all about politics it's all about the wealthy people living in this completely different stratosphere than the beggars on the street and they really couldn't care any less about those folks Uh, and and that's all shown as this is what you get. This is what the era was. So it's, on the one hand, it's romantic, but on the other hand, it's it's awful. It's really kind of awful, and, and it's something to make fun of. Yeah, I was like, you know, I, as much as I like the mm-hmm. costumes, I, no, I wouldn't want to live in that era. No, that is one of the things that you come away with, I think, when you watch these movies is, and, and I, th- I actually think this is one of the main points of the movie. Actually, because this this was a romantic era novel, okay? When Dumas wrote this, this was shortly after the steam engine was invented. It's it's the very beginning of the Industrial Revolution. We don't have factories and stuff like that yet, sir, but, but we're going to have, you know, trains and all that sort of thing, and then people are going to start moving to cities. And, and part of this writing was, and it's in the music too, it's let's go back to a a simpler time where men were men and um, and there was more opportunity and adventure and all that kind of stuff. And that was what the romantic era was all about. And on the one hand, like you said, yeah, it, it is romantic. You're riding on horses and you're fighting with swords and all of that kind of stuff. But at the same time, it's a pretty crappy way to live. And I think that's part of what yeah, Richard... Faye Dunaway has to sleep her way around to... Oh yeah, be able to dress nicely. Yes, yeah. Let's okay. Maybe we should talk a little bit about who these characters are for people who are not familiar with the story, even though it's a classic. Or if you've seen one of the other crappy Three Musketeer movies that were made, there was actually one that was made. I don't know, twenty years ago, um, and it's beautifully shot. I mean, the cinematography is wonderful. But the characters are all just screwed up. The plot is completely different. There is no good... I mean, Richard Lester shows that you can actually make a movie that is faithful to the book, and it's exciting, and it's reasonably easy to follow, and it tells the whole story, and it's great. And then somebody comes along later and says, oh, yeah, well, we'll keep all the same character names, but we'll have the good guys be bad guys, and the bad guys be good guys, and we'll, you know, whatever. And then, of course... 
I did, have you even seen the movie I'm talking about? There's a movie that's, that's got it's got Charlie Sheen, oh, and Kiefer Southern. Those are the only two. Oh, oh, and uh, and uh, what, what's what, uh, Donaldson, uh, the, the guy that was on uh, one of the CSI shows. Uh, he's okay. he's D'Artagnan. Anyway, it's oh. the first time I'd ever seen him in the movie, and it's like you've got these America. I mean, just imagine if you haven't seen this you just, movie. You, yeah, you lost me. At Charlie Kiefer S- Sullivan Sutherland and and Charlie Sheen playing musketeers. I can't. Yeah, yeah. no, these gritty American. T- I, I, I mean, and they're they're wearing you know costumes with you know collars that stick out like dinner plates around and feathers in their hat. That just does not. Fit. You don't do that sort of thing. Shame on the person who made that movie. It's awful. It's just awful. I mean, it, it. Like I said, it's pretty to look at, but it's awful. Okay. So if you've seen one of those movies, or even if you, even the, there's a version of the we started to watch. Um, oh, with Gene Kelly. With Gene Kelly. In yes. It. Okay. And that that version is actually fairly faithful to the story, but. It's also bad. I mean, it's I yeah, I couldn't, couldn't do it. I couldn't stay with it. No, uh, because it's like Gene Kelly is like if you've seen Singing in the Rain, it's it's Gene Kelly playing D'Artagnan is kind of like Gene Kelly playing was it Don Lockwood uh, yes. playing the 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 dueling cavalier. I mean, his overacting is so. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so over the top that it's it's like it's not actually funny. It's not this kind of comedy. It's not this self aware comedy like the Richard Lester version. It's just dorky. Um, so anyway, this is the one you want to see. But if if you haven't read the book and if you've seen one of those other movies or you haven't seen another movie, okay, let's tell, tell us you about which D'Artagnan. Going. Okay, D'Artagnan is this 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 young man from. Gascony, which is actually, um, it's now, I, I guess it's part of Spain, but at the, at the time it was part of France. He's this young man. His father had been in the Musketeers, which in the Musketeers is a special regiment. They call them Musketeers because they had just invented the musket and they get to carry these muskets around. That's part of, you know, they fight with this musket, these muskets. And they're kind of uh, assigned to the, uh, well, assigned to the king, but they actually, the king couldn't care less about them. So they kind of are faithful to the queen. Okay. And then you've got other regiments, like there's the Cardinal's Guards that are faithful to the Cardinal. And actually, the, the Musketeers and the Cardinal's Guards end up fighting with each other multiple times in these two movies. Okay, But D'Artagnan, this farm boy from Gascony, uh, rural area, uh, he sends him off to Paris and he says, you know, go look at the, 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 the guy who runs the Musketeers. He's going to remember me, show him my sword, and he's going to get you in the Musketeers and, you know, start your career and, you know, fight duels. That'll help you impress friends and um, climb up the ranks faster and all that kind of stuff. And so he heads off to do that. And, oh, and he teaches him his special movies. He teaches him to be this great sword fighter. And D'Artagnan, this is one of the things, he's not the brightest guy in the world. He doesn't know how to read or write, but he's really good with a sword, okay, because his father taught him everything he knew. Okay, so he heads off to Paris, and and immediately when he gets to town, he runs into all of the main characters that are going to be in this film. The first guy he sees is uh, uh, Christopher Lee's character, which is uh, Richelieu, who is like the right-hand man to the cardinal, cardinal. Okay, played by Charlton Heston. And the 
in this version of history. Okay. Oh, another thing. All these people are real historical characters. But what Dumas does with them is he plays really fast and loose with this. I don't know if he even knew what the actual history was. Um, maybe he had a twisted version of history that was taught to him. Maybe he knew exactly what the history was and decided I'm just going to have fun with it or whatever. But he does kind of change the nature of the characters, even though these are real people. Okay, so. Richelieu, who is extremely political, and he's shown as being much smarter than the king, and he is constantly influencing the king and undermining the queen. Um, and Richelieu is his right-hand man, and he's considered the deadliest blade in all of Paris. Um, and, anyways. and Christopher Lee was actually a good swordsman in real life. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I, I heard that. And this would have been, um, you know, he'd, he'd, oh, he'd done most of his Dracula roles by this time. He still had one or two left in him, I believe, but he was already well known for that. Great era, uh, actor. I mean, he he did, everybody remembers him as Dracula. Um, well, but, some people from today might remember him from Lord of the Rings. Oh, did they make Star a movie Wars. about uh, Lord of the Rings? Yes, I guess they did. I think uh, he may was maybe was in The Hobbit too, or I know for sure he was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we don't talk about those movies here. Okay, <laughs> but anyway, so that's Christopher Lee. So he he runs into him immediately, and uh, they have this little exchange, and uh, Richelieu just you know treats him like the country bumpkin that he is, and D'Artagnan wants to challenge him to a duel, but he just you know has his men hit him over the head and knock him out, and he goes off and leaves him in the mud. Okay. Oh, he, and he also meets uh, uh, Lady De Winter. Okay, Faye Dunaway, uh, played by Faye Dunaway, and oh. What a great character she is, because she's, at this point, she's the girlfriend of Richelieu, okay? But we're going to find out later that she's got a deeper, darker history um, to her that's going to come around, especially in the second movie, The Four Musketeers. Okay, so he meets Richelieu. He he makes an enemy of him already, although he doesn't fight him in duel. Then he shows up at the Musketeers' guard, and by that time, oh, he's already broken the He was going to fight Richelieu, and he got a sword broken immediately, um, so he doesn't have a sword anymore, just a little nub. Um, and so the guy, okay, so he sees the captain of the guards, and uh, he says, well, you know, you can't get into the uh, Musketeers right away, but, you know, we can, you know, kind of get you started and have you go off and fight in the war a little bit, and you kill a few people, and we'll be more impressed with you, and then we can get you. Okay, okay. so he talks to him, and then on his way out from seeing him, he runs into one at a time, the three Musketeers. Athos is there, and he's drunk, and he's having a, a, a wound, um, treated and d'artagnan bumps into him and athos basically insults him and calls him clumsy or whatever and he goes oh i, I said i was sorry and I, I have an ointment for your wound but you know we should fight a duel too because you've insulted me and so okay they're going to fight a duel at noon and then he bumps into um aramis uh played by richard chamberlain, richard chamberlain okay one of your favorites um and Richard Chamberlain is, oh, oh we should say, Athos is uh, the, the oldest, wisest musketeer. And he's the guy we find out later who used to be a count. He used to be wealthy. Uh, Oliver but, Reed, by the way. Oliver Reed plays, yeah, uh, Athos. A lot uh, like Athos huh? in real life. 
Yes, yeah, because he was a drunk. Drunk and uh, brute. <laughs> yeah, uh, and kind of out of control uh, quite a bit of the time. Yeah, but Athos is, and, and we go back and forth. Athos, Athos, it's French, so I never know. They actually say Athos and Porthos, but it's kind of like Neanderthal. Is it Neanderthal or Neanderthal? See, that's a French word, too. But well, you, you banter. both way. Yeah. yeah, we should have done... Ugh, we'll do this next time. Um, okay, so he's going to fight a duel with Athos. Okay, he also runs into Aramis, played by Richard Chamberlain. Aramis's character, he's a musketeer for now, but he's actually studying to join the priesthood. Okay? One day, yeah. Yeah, one of these days he's going to get around to it. But right now he's having too much fun chasing women around. <laughs> and that's actually one of the things that he's doing is this woman is trying to pass him. One of his lovers is trying to pass him some money. And, of course, clumsy D'Artagnan bumps into him. They drop the money on the street. And Athos is doesn't want to compromise the lady. Uh, so he just pretends the money. He doesn't know anything about the money. And, and of course, stupid D'Artagnan says, no, no, she dropped it. You pick, you know, it's your whatever, whatever. And then so Athos says, Okay, we're gonna. You've compromised a, a, a lady here, so we're gonna have to fight a duel. And so it's like, oh, okay. Well, you know, one o'clock. We'll 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 have a duel. Aramis. Aramis. Yeah. Okay, and then uh, the final musketeer is uh, Porthos, and Porthos is kind of the the Joker. He's 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 kind of the comic relief of the three. Uh, he's kind of short, he's a little chubby, and he's a guy who pretends to be this great gentleman. Um, he likes to wear really fancy clothes, and he likes to uh, talk about this fine lifestyle that he lives. He's sitting for a portrait, and he's got these gold studs on his belt, and he talks about how they go all the way around. Um, but then, of course, D'Artagnan bumps into him, he falls off this fake horse that he's sitting on, and we find out that the gold studs do not go all the way around the belt, and so um, Porthos is insulted, and he said, we're going to have to fight a duel. And, and so uh, D'Artagnan is like, oh, okay, uh, you know, three, uh, two o'clock. Uh, so anyway, he meets the three musketeers all at once because he's going to supposedly fight duels with them one after the other at 12 o'clock, one o'clock. And D'Artagnan wins all of the fights. No. The other three die. No. No, that's a different movie. That's a, that's a very, that's the worst version Is that the, the Charlie movie. Sheen one? Uh, that could that be. I think I fell asleep yeah. before I got to that point. But uh, anyway, so the three musketeers. Yeah. So find D'Artagnan, and they're like, "Who is this guy who's challenging?" You know, three musketeers to duels the first day he walks into town, and it's like, "Wow, I got to hand it to you, kid. You know, you, you you've got guts." Okay. Uh, but as soon as they get ready to fight the first duel, then the cardinal's guards show up, and there's this rule that you're not, you know, you're not supposed to be dueling in public. So now they're in trouble. But the what the cardinal's guards are going to do is like you know we're going to have to draw our swords and we're going to have to charge you now, and it's like they're saying oh gee there's six of them and there's only three of us and then D'Artagnan says no there are four of us and so they fight off the cardinal's guards this is the first great fight scene oh by the way we should mention um oh, what uh, William Hobbs did the the fight scene directing taught all the fencing in this and it is just fantastic these are some of the best fight scenes you will ever see in any movie. They are grandiose. They are, I mean, in some cases, they are ridiculous. Like in this fight scene where uh, D'Artagnan runs up to the clothesline and he does the flip around the clothesline just in time to kick the guy in the face. and what It's like nobody would ever do that. But at the same time, they've got these incredibly realistic moments of swordplay in them 
um, where you see this is really, really serious yeah, stuff. Yeah, it does. Um, and it looks you, real. Yeah, and you notice like when they when they actually better somebody, they don't. They try not to kill each other. Like they will stab somebody in the leg or whatever just to put them out of commission and all that kind of stuff. This is also oh one of the first movies I've ever seen where they fight with both the rapier, which is. So the foil is the really skinny one. Like if you watch the Olympics fencing, that's a foil. Okay. Okay. It's practically, you know, it's just like this needly bendy thing. Okay. A rapier is thicker than that. It's maybe a couple inches thick. Okay. So it's a chink, 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 chink. Mm-hmm. You can, it's still light enough that you can swing it around. It's not like King Arthur where you got to hold it with two hands and all that kind of stuff. So they're fighting with rapiers, but... In this movie, and I'm guessing this is historically accurate, they also have these daggers, these much shorter blades that they hold in their non-dominant hand. So when they go to fight, they've got the rapier in their right hand, and they've got the dagger in their left hand, and the dagger is more of a defensive tool that they use to catch the other person's rapier. I mean, they could stab somebody with it if they wanted to, but mostly it's instead of a shield, they're using this dagger to get... Anyway, it's beautifully done. Just beautifully done. Every one of these fight scenes in both of these movies, you could watch them just over and over just for the fights. They're that good. You start to breathe heavy after watching it, though. You do start to breathe. Yeah, you get... Well, and that's one of the other things. They actually get tired in these fights, Okay. Most of the time you see people fencing, they'll they'll fight with these swords for, you know, 10 minutes at a time, and then they're, they're still cracking jokes in between and all that kind of stuff. No, they don't. In this movie... Well, the actors were doing a lot of their own stunts. Yeah. They, uh, yeah. They Michael all Michael York was saying there was, like, a, intentionally, there would be where he would, he jumped on a horse and the saddle was intentionally loosened. Lo- loosened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So he, he so he spins and falls off, and I don't know he, he cracked his ribs or something like that. But yeah, like hardly anybody came away unscathed. Like yeah. Oliver Reed had like some type of scrape. Chris Farley had like a sprained shoulder. Oh yeah, I think uh, Oliver Reed actually even got partly stabbed or yeah. almost got yes really seriously. Frank uh, Finley, there's oh he got burned the burned, yeah, one time. Hit by yeah. a four by four and the women. The Faye Dunaway and Raquel Welch have a Oh, yeah, they've got a fight scene, too. Yeah. I think Raquel Welch sprained her wrists. And uh-huh. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, Michael, this is... Yeah. And, and like I said, they, I get they had stunt people, but the way this was shot... Uh, well, say well, something with all about, the different cameras. Yeah. That, yeah. He would, yes, he would yeah, just he have would a, s- He would... He would uh, Richard Lester would have the cinematographer shoot the actors while they were practicing in case they did something funny or uh-huh. something that was improvised that he would want to have in, yeah. in and, the film. And he'd have five go- cameras going at the same time so that he could edit and cut back and forth from different views. And it's it's the continuity is perfect because these were all shot at the same time. It's not like, oh, you know, we'll do the close-up later where you actually have to play it. No, no. They did all of it at the same time. And because of that, you really couldn't use stunt people all that much because you you see these characters' faces and enough of their bodies and their mannerisms and all that kind of stuff that you would notice if this is a stunt person. And it's hardly ever a stunt person in these films. And these are long fight sequences, and they get tired. They are sweaty. Yeah, I'm just like picturing Oliver Reed with his cape. <laughs> just- 
just yeah. trying to fling that, getting that stuck. In yeah, it. and I guess it was incredibly hot, too, where they, while they, yeah, where they while were Yeah, while they were filming. in Spain, the temperature got like, up to over 122 degrees yeah. Fahrenheit. So there was like 7,000 bottles of water for the... Because ca- there's a huge cast, too. And you're yeah. wearing those costumes in that heat. Yeah, those stupid costumes. I mean, um, you know, with the... You're wearing the the tunic over the top of the shirt, and the then wigs. you're wearing the boots and the hats. And Michael the, oh. York was like the only one that, and Raquel Welch were like the only ones not wearing a wig. I didn't know that. No, I don't. I'm oh. just based on like looks. Oh yeah, I okay. don't know. <laughs> but anyway, they, like I said, they're you can just tell they're a sweaty mess, and they're huffing and puffing by the end of these. Fight scene, and, and some of them, like when we get to the Four Musketeers, the final fight scene between D'Artagnan and Richelieu, it's going to happen. You, you're you're going to guess that this is going to happen. Um, yeah, they're they're actually staggering and falling. It's like they get to the point where they've been fighting for five minutes and they're just leaning up against stuff, trying to catch their breath before you know the next guy charges at the other one, and then he falls down while he's trying to charge because his legs are turned to jelly. This is the way it had to have been. I mean, if you've ever tried to screw around when you were a kid, pretending to have sword fights or whatever, you realize you run out of energy pretty quickly, and they show it. So, like I said, it's it's this combination of incredibly theatrical stuff, but at the same time, gritty, realistic stuff. Again, it's like two levels. There's multiple levels to everything that's going on in this movie at the same time. Um, anyway, so this is how they become... It, it, D'Artagnan doesn't actually become a musketeer until the end of the first movie. So for the first movie, it's called The Three Musketeers because Athos, Porthos, and Aramis are the three musketeers and D'Artagnan is not yet one. Uh, but the whole gist of the the first film is the Duke of Buckingham from England is uh, having an affair with the Queen. Uh, oh, we should uh, the um, the uh, we said the Queen was um, Geraldine Chaplin. Chaplin, um, the the Duke of Buckingham, another uh, actor. He, he was actually one of the first Simon people. Simon Ward. That, Simon Ward, one of the per- first people they signed. Uh, he might not be all that recognizable because he mostly did stage work, but he was in and British films. Um, but he's also excellent in there. So they're having a, an affair behind the back of the King of England, obviously, and the Cardinal suspects. And at the same time, the Huguenots, who are these uh, uh, this Protestant group, because this is after the Reformation by about uh, 75, 80 years, um, we've got these Protestants in uh, France, who are rebelling against the Catholic Church, which is aligned with government, and the, they're fighting this, basically a civil war, a religious war within France, and then the Duke of Buckingham in England is supporting the Protestants, partly because England is no longer Catholic, and this movie would suggest that part of the reason that the Duke of Buckingham, who is basically like the Secretary of State for England, he's not the king, but he's He's this high-ranking political figure there. Part of the reason, according to the plot of this movie, is that he's having an affair with the queen, and this is something he's going to do to try to weaken the king, and he's hoping that he's going to somehow spirit her away, take her back to England, and uh, have her be his bride. I don't know how in the world that would ever work out, but that's what they think. So... Because the musketeers are faithful to the queen, they don't want her reputation to be harmed. Oh, and it also turns out, now, 
D'Artagnan has met the, the three musketeers. He also has to meet Constance. Okay. Oh, he's also met Milady because Milady um, uh, tended to him when he got beat up by Richelieu very briefly. So he got a, a quick introduction to her, um, Faye Dunaway's character. But then when um, after the uh, musketeers have all met up, then uh, D'Artagnan has to find a place to live, and he ends up uh, going to uh, uh, Bonasur is the the name of the character, who is this ridiculous guy played by Spike Lee, who's uh, just a hilarious. This is total comedy. This guy is just an idiot, um, uh, an old guy an old, ugly, creepy guy, and he is married to Raquel Welch, who is about 30 years younger than he is, and Raquel Welch, okay? And she's dumb, and she's clumsy, but she's the dressmaker to the queen, and so actually her husband talks about how uh, he doesn't actually get to ever go anywhere near the palace, but he's like he will stand outside the palace and say, oh yeah, my, my wife, is there. she works for the queen, you know, and, and every once in a while she waves to me in the crowd, yes, and I get to see her every once in a while, and I'm so, and then, you know, he's like, once a month he gets to see her and he about has a heart attack just talking about what happens. Anyway, so he meets, a D'Artagnan meets him. He rents a room from this guy. And the only reason he rents the room is because he sees Constance. And it's like, oh my God, I got to be wherever this woman is. And clearly this guy is such an idiot that it, I'm not going to have too much trouble uh, making time with her. So they become an item. And that also helps cement him with the queen, and he becomes a party to this whole dalliance that's going on between the Duke of Buckingham and the queen, and he enlists the other musketeers to help when the cardinal tries to shame the queen by having Milady de Winter go to England and seduce the Duke of Buckingham, and while they are in bed, she steals from him this gift of these diamond studs that are on a, a necklace that the queen has given to the Duke of Buckingham. And so the cardinal knows that the Duke of Buckingham has this gift from the queen that was actually given to her by the king, and he knows that there are studs missing from it. And he, the cardinal, says to the king, I want you to have a ball and um, tell the queen to wear her diamond studs. I'd really love to see her in the diamond studs. And the king, who is this ridiculous character, also, um, who really doesn't care about the queen, but he's jealous of her at the same time, um, says, okay, whatever you want, cardinal, I'll do. Oh, tell us about the king. The king did not have... He was His voice was dubbed. Yeah, a French actor played the, the king. Another guy who... Jean-Pierre. Yeah, you're probably not going to recognize him because he didn't do all that many films and he was French. Uh, And And most of the cast was British. Yeah, except for Charlton Heston and Raquel Welch. Yeah, and Faye Dunaway. Uh, (laughs) Okay. But the rest of them um, were English. And and they spoke with English accents. And again, the dialogue is is set in this very formal English tone. Uh, which did, just adds to it also. Did you know that the the cast was originally going to be the Beatles? Uh, I did not I did not know that until you found that out. Yeah. yeah. Richard Lester had because di- Richard Lester He had directed A Hard Day's Night. 
um, I, I, in the mid '60s. Yeah, with the Beatles. With uh, the Beatles. Yeah. You, you you found us out first, yeah. So they thought, oh, yeah, let's have the four Beatles. Let's have the four Beatles play the four. Boy, that would have been bad. Yeah. That would have been bad. Um, I think they scuttled that idea pretty quickly. But they stuck with Richard Lester. That's a good thing. That's that good. is a good thing. Um, so anyway, uh, th- th- there's this whole deal where, uh, okay, uh, D'Artagnan's got to go to England. And he's got to get uh, the, the studs back. He flew and to England, right? Yeah. Uh, no, they didn't, they didn't have... Um, I mean, they make the the journey pretty believable too. For yeah, how long? Yeah, the journey it takes a long takes time. He's got to ride a long way to get to the coast. Then he's got to get a boat going across the channel. Then he's got to get to London or wherever uh, the Duke of yeah, Buckingham. Yeah, it makes, it makes you anxious. Yes, it does. Uh, and then, yeah, he gets there and they find, oh, the, the studs are missing and they got to make three more studs and he's got to get back just in time. And he gets back, of course, just in time after the ball has already begun and um, the queen is about to be discovered. She doesn't have the diamond studs, or, but um, she has the studs because he gets it back just in time and they have to have a big fight scene at the very end with fireworks going off and all that kind of stuff. He's, he's got a fight to get into the palace to get the studs to her and it's yeah, that's the climax of the movie. Um, and at the, the the end of that, the, the the queen is so grateful that she makes D'Artagnan a musketeer. He gets his commission, and then they're the four musketeers. And you know what? We're really grateful for we're what? really grateful for our sponsor. Yeah, who's uh, who's we our sponsor? We should take a sponsor break. We should. We'll we'll take a sponsor break, and we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> 